This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success Podcast. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and we are in for a phenomenal treat here today with my good friend, John O'Leary. How you doing, John? Brett Gilliland, it is an honor to be on your show, and I'm doing great. Awesome, man. I, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to get to do this with a good friend like you, who's got an unbelievable story and, uh, just love spending time with you anytime I get the opportunity. And, and now, you know, you're out with this book, uh, on fire and we'll talk about that more later. You've got your podcast, uh, you know, your kids, you're traveling the world speaking, man. It's just awesome watching your growth. So enjoy you, uh, enjoy watching you and really, really thankful you're on the show today. But once you uh, take our listeners back, um, to kind of your story and, uh, um, and, and everything that's uh, made you the man you are today. Well, gosh, I mean, what's maybe the man I am today more than anything else is my mom and dad, to be honest with you. I happen to have lucked into a phenomenal family. You know, you, you, can't, you can't choose that. You either have it or you don't. And I, I was blessed with a phenomenal mother, a remarkable father, and they are both still alive today. I have a sense that the story you're really most curious about is this inflection point in my life. When I was nine years old, I was burned on 100% of my body and a gasoline explosion. I had seen Brett about a week and a half before some little boys in my neighborhood playing with fire and gasoline. And I assumed if these kids can do this and get away with it, that I could as well. So with my father at work, I walked into their garage, I bent over a can of gasoline, tried to pour a little bit of gasoline on top of the flame. And before the fumes, before the liquid even came out, those fumes came out, created a massive explosion, split the can in two, picked me up, and launched a nine-year-old boy against the far side of the garage, quite literally setting my world on fire, left me with burns on my entire body. And really no chance of surviving, let alone thriving and speaking to you three decades later. Wow. Unbelievable story. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, I know the story, obviously. And so, um, you know, your brother, I think the heroic uh, thing, I think it was your brother, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it, that tackled you and and wrapped you up in the the foyer rug or something like that? Yeah, man. So frequently the heroes in our lives don't wear capes. You know, it's it's the people that you don't expect that aren't wearing what you expect who show up right on time. And sometimes you don't even, don't even know they are your hero until years later. When I was first burned, covered in gasoline, lit up a flame, surrounded by fire, I ran through the garage back into my mom and dad's house. They were both gone. I ran through the kitchen, the family room, into the front hall, the foyer, stood on top of this rug, just screaming and burning and praying begging for a hero. God, I'll take anybody. And I see my brother, Jim, this 17-year-old 
punk. I mean, he was a tough brother. He was mean to me most of the time. And he was the last <laughs> guy that I was praying would come to save my life that day. And yet, Gilliland, this is his day. This was his moment to change, to shine, to become what I think is a better version of himself. And, and the man remained changed even to this day. He picked up a little rug. He ran over to me, beat down the flames, picked me up like a little baby, carried me outside, jumped on top of me, burned himself in the process. 1987, the lifesaver of the year for the state of Missouri, was not Superman or Spider-Man or Wonder Woman or some firefighter. The, the lifesaver of the year was a very ordinary, unexceptional, acne-filled, pale, skinny, <laughs> 17-year-old punk boy who changed. And I realized, you know, your listeners, they're, they're all seeking success, whatever that means for all of them. But, uh, you know, we, we don't have that be the definition physically of what success looks like to achieve something profound in our lives. And my brother Jim is a great example. He did something beautiful. It changed his life, but it also certainly changed mine. And I'm assuming like any great big brother, he still lets you know that today. Yeah, he's still a jerk. So let's just make sure he's probably <laughs> listening today that he, he we get give him a little slice of humble pie. Right, exactly. That was a long time ago, brother, right? Well, the amazing thing about Jim is uh, he has never once held that over me. Not not once, never brought it up, never said, do you remember what I did? When I was married, he was my best man. When he was married, I was his. When I had my first son, Jim was his godfather. And when he had his first son... I was James's godfather, uh, and wow. we're we're typical boys, which means we don't talk that much, right? But right. when we are together, there is a certain connection that is unspoken and uh, profoundly deep. So I know you had a defining moment uh, in the hospital. You were laying in your bed, hundred percent burned, um, and your mom walks in the room. Well, first, I know you got a funny story about your dad, too. So why don't you talk about your dad walking down the hallway, you know he's coming, and then the, your mom and the questions she asked you. Yeah, I mean, just to take your listeners back, rather than taking them back to when I was nine, imagine when they were nine or Brett, when you were nine and doing something that let your parents down, whatever that may have been, um, you know, coming home with a bad report card, skipping class, whatever the big thing was. Well, I, right. I had just blown up my dad's house. <laughs> but I knew he was going to be irate. I knew I earned the beating this time. I hear his voice down the hall. He's yelling at some nurse, where is my boy, John? And I'm back there thinking my dad is coming to finish me off. It's over. It's a lost cause. This nurse leads my dad back to where I am. She pulls back the curtain for him. He walks in this old guy. I mean, he was old. He was probably 40, really an old guy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because some of your listeners are probably thinking, oh, that is old. And the majority of us are leaning back thinking that is young. Yes. But it, you know, just a little pivot point. Age is perspective. It, it, it's really important that we hear that. But not only is age perspective, so are challenges. As challenged as we are as you and I men or as challenged as the nation is that we live in or as challenged as the global marketplace is, a little perspective is always healthy. We, we are supremely blessed. And my dad walked in blessed. He walked in young. He walked in full of life. He walked in probably concerned and angry and mad and a whole lot of other emotions. He sees me laying there in the hospital bed, completely transformed. I mean, burns on 100% of your body. You've seen the pictures, Brett. It's, it's a mess. He walks right over to me. He points down and says, John, Look at me when I'm talking to you. I have never been so proud 
of anybody in my entire life and my little buddy today, this morning, I'm just proud to be your dad. I love you. I love you. I love you. And in hearing all, all of this, I remember shutting my eyes thinking, oh my gosh, nobody told my dad what happened. <laughs> he, he doesn't know. Maybe I can get away with it. You have children, Brett. I have kids. And, and I think we know as fathers these days that dad did know. And he also realized that day what mattered. A tragedy has a way of coming hand in hand with perspective. And my dad's entire perspective, his entire motivation, his entire life that day changed. And I think it changed for the better. Well, that's awesome. And then mom walks in the room, our good old moms, right? What did mom say? Uh, yeah, you know, most of us had a good cop, bad cop. For me growing up, it was kind of bad cop, bad cop. They were both tough parents and a positive way looking back on it. But just because dad let me off, I was not expecting my mother would as well. And she she walks right over to me. She takes my hand in hers, pats my head and says, baby, I love you. I love you. And I was caught off guard. So I look back at my mom, maybe realizing for the first time how serious this was. It's no longer about the house it's about my life. So I said back to her, mom, knock it off with the love. Am, am I going to die? And this mother, 39, 40 years old, young lady looks back down, completely unprepared for a moment like this. You don't plan for something like this. You can't prep for it. She looks back down and she says to me without missing a beat, baby, look at me. Do you want to die? Your choice, not mine. Hmm. Which is so bold. And there, you and I could riff for an hour just on this piece about accountability. But we'll just kind of let it hang out there, I guess, for now. She's forcing me, though, to own my piece in this, to, to take the next step forward, left or right, life or death. And I said back to my mom, Mom, I don't want to die. I, I want to live. So her response was, good, baby. Then you look at me. You take the hand of God. You walk the journey with him and you fight like you've never fought before. She said, your father and I will be with you every step along the path, but you must fight. And Brett, that was the morning of my fire. That was the beginning of the journey. And we had no idea what the following day may have in store, January 18th. But we knew that the fight was on. I, I think there's a lesson there for us again. You, you know, None of us have any clue really what tomorrow has in store. All we can really own right now is what we do in this moment to live up to the fullness of our potential and live up to the fullness of our life in the moments that we have. Absolutely. I think one of the things we talk about a lot is just asking questions versus telling, right? And so I think your mom, whether she did it on purpose or not, she asked you a question and you're the one that had to answer it and you're the one, it was your gospel, right? So you had to fight. You had to fight to live another day. You had 1% one, 1 chance to live. And you're laying in bed, you are burnt 100% of your body, you're laying there. We'll fast forward, I think, what was it, maybe three or four days, or maybe I'm off of my time, but a familiar St. Louis voice walks in. Let's tell us about that story. Yeah, so uh, not, not three or four days, actually about 24 hours. I mean, just exceptionally wow. quick. I was laying in a hospital bed the day after I got burned. It's a Sunday morning. I was burned on the 17th of January. Now it's the 18th. It's the afternoon. I'm stretched out in the hospital bed. Uh, when you're burned, right, you, they tie you down to control your contractures. So you're, you're mm. tied down to a hospital bed as a nine-year-old. My lungs were burned, so I have a trach in. I can't breathe on my own. I can't eat, drink, or speak. And the additional challenge I had is that my eyes were swollen shut, so I, I can't see. 
today when you're burned, they actually put you into a medically induced coma. It's, it's a, I think it's a blessing. You don't feel or experience any of this. But back in the day, three decades ago, they gave you some morphine. They started the drip and they wished you well. So I'm, huh. I'm in really bad shape right now, physically beat down, emotionally broken, very sad, can't do a thing. The door opens up, footsteps walk in, a chair gets pulled across the floor, and then I hear this voice that I had recognized from my childhood because growing up in this marketplace, St. Louis, Missouri, I'm a Cardinal man. I still am, but back in the day, Amen. I was a huge Cardinal fan. And the way we used to watch baseball was not with our eyes, but actually with our ears. The, the voice of Jack Buck was the voice of my summertime. And it's his voice in that darkness with me the day after I get burned. It's a, it's a stunning, true story. And Jack said to me, kid, wake up, wake up. You are going to live. You're going to survive. Keep fighting. John O'Leary Day, the ballpark will make it all worthwhile. Keep fighting. And then he stood up, he walked out, he left me tied down in pain, in darkness, and transformed. Uh, I, 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 he took me from despair to hope in 12 seconds. The, the man, I think so frequently we underestimate the power of our words, our actions, our touch, our presence to change the life of someone else. But there is no doubt that Jack changed my life that day. And on his way to the car, he started crying one of the staff members kind of stopped him. This is For those of you not from the St. Louis area, this, this is like the celebrity in St. Louis. There is no one bigger than Jack Buck back in the 80s. He's weeping in the hallway. He's concerned about this little boy. So the nurse tells him, Mr. Buck, I'm sorry. There's absolutely no chance. The, the little boy, he's just not going to make it. Hmm. So when we get this diagnosis, you know, because it's a diagnosis that's going to show up in every one of our lives, in our marriages, our, our children's lives, in our work environment, in our country, we got the diagnosis already. Everybody's diagnosing now that the country's best days are behind us. So when the diagnosis shows up, what we do next matters. What Jack does, <clears throat> he takes it home, he cries. And by the way, if you're listening right now, when I'm listening to a podcast, I always look for one takeaway. So if, that, if that's the way you listen, hey, this may be yours. He takes it home, he cries, he prays, and he reflects on one question. And the question Jack Buck asked every night was, what more can I do? What more can I do? He would reflect on it, pray about it, journal the answer, shut the book, go to bed exhausted, wake up, look at the answer, and take action. He, like, he kept it super simple. So the following day, it's now January 19th, I barely survived that second night in the hospital. My door opens up, I hear footsteps, I hear a chair, and then I hear the voice of a stranger who came back into my life now a second day in a row, the voice of Jack Buck who says, kid, wake up, I'm back. You are going to live, you're going to survive, keep fighting. This man and that voice came into my life almost every day over the next five months during recovery. We had John O'Leary Day at the ballpark. It was a celebration of the work and the efforts, the prayers, the lives of so many who invested themselves in what seemed like a hopeless case. So it, it was a true celebration that night, man. We partied. I think I pounded 13 Cokes in one game and <laughs> don't apologize for it. We had a blast. That's awesome. And last story on that. I mean, the, the thing that I think is one of the coolest parts about that story and the motivation to have you keep fighting, he gave you a gift, right? He gave you an autographed Jack Buck ball, right? And he said, son, if you want more of these, yes. what do he tell you to do? 
you got to write a thank you letter. And he was sending these baseballs with that encouragement to a kid, those of you who are not looking at my image, who uh, had no fingers. He knew I could not hold a soda pop the night before, let alone a pen. And yet I think he also knew the power of motivation, the, the, the power of purpose, and the power of putting out there something for us to chase that's even bigger than the task or the challenge at hand. So with the help of my therapist and my mom, I wrote a note to Ozzy Smith. That's the first ball I received, mailed it off. And two days later, I'm hanging out in my room in St. Louis, Missouri, in a little wheelchair when a second baseball shows up with a second note that reads, kid, if you want a third baseball. I quickly wrote a note. It seemed to be getting a little bit easier. This is how success goes, by the way, for those of you paying attention right now. It just gets easier and easier and easier the more times you do anything. Mail it off. A couple days later, I got a third baseball with a third note that said, kid, if you want a fourth baseball. And Brett, by the end of the summer, 1987, a little washed up, red-skinned, wheelchair-bound, fingerless, hopeless little boy named John O'Leary would open up 60 baseballs signed by various ballplayers and send out 60 thank you letters to various ballplayers. And in doing so, take a major step back to normalcy because I learned how to ride again, which allowed me to go back to grade school, which was the beginning of, I think, real healing coming back into my community in this this little school called St. Clements that welcomed me back and treated me with respect and dignity and love and was the beginning point of me launching forward in life. So you you go on, you go to college, you um, obviously meet a nice uh, girl in college. If I'm not mistaken, it was in college. It was and, a girl, uh, it was in college. <laughs> it was a girl. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. And uh, <laughs> so obviously now you, you get married, you have beautiful children, and you live this life now where you're traveling around inspiring all of us every single day to be great. What would you say now are the the motivators that's literally taking a story? Because it could go two ways, right? You could have been sitting around in a room right now and, and be having a pity party and feeling sorry for yourself for the way life went for you. And you didn't do that. And it's inspiring. Every time I see you, you're the happiest guy and a big old hug and it's just awesome. And so... What do you do today to stay healthy and, and not have the pity party and just stay motivated to keep fighting every single day? One of the first things I would suggest, and this is broad, but it's important, is to understand and appreciate and eventually celebrate the value of your own story. One of the mistakes I made, Brad, for 20 years, essentially, was to undermine and to undervalue the value, the beauty uh, of being burnt, as strange as that may seem. I, I never told anybody in grade school, high school, college, or soon after how, how I was burned. My, my first job was a real estate developer here in St. Louis. I did that for 10 years, and I never told any of the contractors that I worked with, any of the folks that I sold units to, what happened to me as a kid. It was a private, personal, painful story that did nothing beneficial in my life that day. So it was just kind of like a, the elephant in the room. Obviously, they could see appearance-wise something was maybe wrong, but that never was talked about. Never talked about it. And then never, so never talked about it outwardly and never really tried to own it internally. What started shifting all that was about 11 years ago, my mom and dad wrote a book about it. They printed 100 copies. Uh, I begged them not to do it. The jerks ignored me. They published this thing. They've sold now almost 70,000 copies. I bought one. I read this thing. It changed my life. I started to be asked by people who would read their little book. It's called Overwhelming Odds. 
they would ask me, uh, will you come speak to my kid's school? And these little baby presentations would start to form in front of me. And in life, I'm open to anything. Like I'll try to say yes to about anything that I can do that I think will add maybe a little bit of value. Like, yes, Breckel, and I'll be happy to step onto your podcast if you think it might add value. Yes, I'll try. So I try to say yes even 10 years ago. Spoke to a group of Girl Scouts. There were only three. That's my first talk that I ever gave, Brett. I gave two more that year. Not even paid for any of it, of course. The following year gave eight. In the nine and a half years that have followed, we've been blessed to provide 1,700 talks in 50 states, I think 17 countries. It's a full-time, big-time, busy business now. Or yes, we track revenue and we track everything else like that. But the, the essential of it is for us, we track lives touched. We track thank you letters passed forward. We track hugs in the back of the room. We track marriages saved. I mean, we, I think we track the stuff that matters here. So um, it's a business now. It's a blessing. But your question on the front side of my long-winded answer was, how do you stay positive? Um, every morning, I begin by asking the same question that I think every one of your listeners probably asks every day. And the question we all ask is, why me? Uh, but for the most part, and maybe not your listeners, Brad, and maybe not you or your family, but for the most part, most of us ask that question as a victim. Oh, it's early. It's cloudy. The markets are soft. It's challenging. There's a lot of headwinds. There's a president that I don't like. Whatever the thing is that you're dealing with today that you want to point at as the reason why you won't succeed today. So you ask the question, why me? Well, I do too. But instead of looking down at hands that are missing fingers or scars that are tight and ridgy and red, I ask the question, why me? Man, why am I so blessed? Why did I survive a fire that should and in all likelihood absolutely could have been a death sentence? Why was I blessed to be born into a family like mine? Why did a girl who is the prettiest girl I've still ever met named Beth, my wife, see something in me? Why'd she say yes when I asked her to date? Why'd she say yes when I asked her to marry me? How has she given me four kids? How do I get to do work every day that I think is inspiring and profoundly impactful? Why me? The sun rises up in the east. We get to watch it. We get to do our work in the freest country in the history of the world. I'm supremely blessed. And in getting out of bed, knowing that, it centers me for what will become a remarkable day in spite of the winds that are going to blow left and right. It's going to be an awesome day. But I, I try to own the way the morning starts. So you're grounding yourself absolutely every single morning for the walk for the day you got ahead of you. That's awesome. What uh, what's your what's your breakthrough this year? What's your kind of your game changer for 2017? If I'm John O'Leary, what what are you focused on, and what do you got to do to make it happen? So you know, we last year, last March, I wrote a book called On Fire, and uh, it came out March 15th, 2016. It became a number one national bestseller, and Brett, you were you were part of that. My friends, our network, were part of this thing that elevated this book to become a national number one bestseller, which is awesome. And it's still moving. It's now being translated into 16 languages, which means it, it's just starting to touch lives. So my opportunity is yes, keep speaking. Yes, keep saying yes, keep hopping on those flights, but figure out new, creative, playful, fun, impactful ways to broadcast this message so that new people, new friends can hear about this story. And, when they hear this podcast like you and I are on now or when they read On Fire, they're not going to read a story about a guy bragging on how great he is. 
Uh, it's far from it. They're going to read about a story uh, of a guy bragging on how great life is, on how great people are, on what can happen if a nurse shows up right on time, or what can happen when a janitor realizes the profound power and profound mission sense of his work. They're going to realize the value of every word they speak, every action they take, every, 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 every bridge they cross, man. Every life matters, and it matters deeply. And in knowing that and embracing the beauty of our own stories, we will be more effective in living our lives going forward. So my, my, my breakthrough moment is to keep this book moving out there because it's going to change the way people look at their own lives. We launched a podcast. We've been blessed to have some really cool guests. And I think that's attracting a whole lot of new followers our way. And my, my job is to keep singing the same song about, about your life, Brett, and about your listeners' lives and just singing it more loudly so they can, uh, they can sing along with me. Well, you do an unbelievable job, and I know your podcast, you had uh, Joe Buck, you've had John Gordon, who's one of the best authors I know, uh, besides you, of course, and uh, so we're, our listeners can find On Fire, Amazon, I mean, any bookstore, you can find it, it's it's there. Um, if you know me, uh, also send me an email, I'm happy to send you a book. So um, anyway, so my circuit of success, what I talk about all the time is the four pillars, as our listeners know that have uh, hopefully listened to the show, is top left. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to walk through the circuit of success with you, John, and if you could just quickly say what you think you got to do every single day to walk that circuit of success. First is attitude. What are you doing? Well, man, you know, I think we hinted at it already, that the journal exercise, when you hear it on a podcast, you're driving to work, you, say, you might be thinking to yourself right now, well, that's a, that's a cute activity. Uh, and then you turn the channel. I'm telling you right now, it's not cute. It's uh, <clears throat> profoundly important. Gratitude. Gratitude scientifically has done more for longevity than anything else they can point to, including diet. Okay, this, this it's a really big deal. It's one of the things we can own, we can control, and for the most part, we choose not to. So when you think about attitude, top left, if that's where you want to begin it, begin your day by asking the question, why me? Spend $9 or $100 on a really cool journal. Have it next to your bed. Sit up. Watch that sunrise. Pour yourself a coffee and say, why me? Spend 60 seconds journaling that and watch how it opens up the possibility in front of you every day. It, it, it's a it. very cool habit to take on. So talk about belief. What's your belief, the things that you've got to believe to be successful? So belief for me, it's, it's in part mission. So my belief is that uh, that I'm not here by chance. Uh, I, I believe it's God ordained, and if you if you really believe that, it's going to change the way you handle a missed flight. It's going to change the way you handle a little spilled coffee on your lap. It's going to really revolutionize the way you do life. So if you really think that everything you go through in life is God ordained, then it's no joke, and it's nothing to ever get really mad about. So my mission statement, if you're asking what my belief is today, if you ask me, John, why do you choose to thrive? Well, I choose to thrive. So here's my mission. Because God demands it, my family deserves it, and the world is starved for it. God demands it. My family deserves it, and the world. That's everybody listening right now and every random person that I bump into in coffee shops and airports and everywhere in between. I really do think people are starved to see examples of hope and love and possibility. That's phenomenal. That's great. Activity. What's uh, something activity-wise you got to do each day? I know you talked about the gratitude journal, but something for you and your business world, what you got to do every every single day? 
So for me, it's, it's being consistent with posts. It's being consistent with the conversation going outward. It's being also very open to myself. I run the kind of business, Brett, where the better I know myself and can articulate that, uh, the more lives we find we touch, the more personal I get when I'm online or in a presentation or in a podcast with you, the strangest thing happens. What's most sacredly personal is actually what connects most to those around us. So the deeper you go down the tunnel of your life, this is strange, the more you're going to hear people say back to you, whoa, me too. Like you're not a freak actually. People are going to say me too. And so the better I get to know myself and am able to articulate that with others, uh, the more I think we can touch lives globally. So some of the activities that I take on, I do journal every morning. I am very prayerful and reflective throughout the day. Every night I journal on the question, write this one down if you haven't yet, what more can I do? Because that sets me into motion for the following day, keeps me moving forward. And then one other thing that I do, and I've been doing this every day this calendar year, and this you're the first person to hear this, so this is a top secret. Okay. But um, I, I write a short love letter, and my wife doesn't even know this, but I write a love letter to my wife every single day. So she doesn't know I'm doing this, but I'm looking all day, every day, whether I'm on the road or at home, for one cool thing that she did. What I found last year is I was doing a great job tracking uh, dirty dishes and people being late and crabbiness and all the crud that we deal with in relationships, all the wrong stuff. I think we all do a great job tracking that. Well, man, I'm, I'm tracking something differently this year. And because of that, it's beginning to magnify the beauty of this wonderful gal. And so in seeing that in her, I'm also able to see it in other people around me and then share it in a marketplace that is dark and dreary and full of negativity. That is cool. That is really cool. So, it, I mean, chances of Beth listening to this are what, anyway? Uh, I'll have to make sure she doesn't listen to this one because here's the deal, man. Next year at Christmas, it's a, it's a few months out, I want to give her this leather-bound journal that she has no idea what it is. And when she opens up, uh, opens it up, it's going to say January 1, 2017. And this, well, that's phenomenal. This love letter. And then she'll turn January 2, January 3. And so for me, it's been a blast. Even if she ignores the journal and says, oh, that's fine. I'm a better husband because of it. So I'm uh, I'm loving this activity, and I encourage your listeners to uh, consider this. It takes a few minutes every day, but it ensures that all day long you're looking for the right thing, not the wrong stuff. Well, there'll be no females listening to this podcast because every male on earth will feel like a jerk for not giving their wife a journal. So thanks a lot for that, O'Leary. We really appreciate it. What more can I do? Last one, results. What's the what's the result you focus on? And I don't mean money, fame, fortunes. I know that stuff's not important to you, our listeners. But what's your result that you say, man, if I do this, it's a huge impact in this world? So at our office, candidly, we do track revenue. So I'm tracking revenue. We have a big goal and, and uh, we're trending to move way beyond it this year. So we feel fortunate in that regard. We're tracking followers on podcasts. We're tracking followers throughout all of our media channels. We're racing toward uh, doing more like radio work, more ways that we can broadcast our message a little bit louder. But we're doing it for two reasons. One is to touch more lives and touch more lives more profoundly to make people work more effectively, work more passionately so that they can come home and love more passionately, be better spouses, be more engaged in their faith, more engaged in their health, right? more engaged in their finances. I think most of us have no idea how to really wake up and take back the gift of our finances. So that's part of what my work is about. But the other side of the ledger is all of this is being done so that I can track this this uh, number that matters even more to me, which is nights at home. 
So I, I, I want to track this year uh, not only how many speeches we can deliver and how many countries we can knock off the list, but uh, how many dinners I can have with my four kids and how many carpool rides that I can take them on and how many field trips. While you and I are doing this today, earlier today I was on a field trip with the kids. So I'm, I'm taking this very seriously and I want to be not only the and I, I say this with humility. It may not sound like it, but it is. I want to be the best speaker in the world and the best writer in the world. But if all that got washed away and someone could say to me that I was the best dad in the world, I would be delighted. That, that's really what I'm pursuing here to be a phenomenal dad, a phenomenal husband, a phenomenal son, a strong Christian man. And if I can do all those things first, I'm pretty confident that speaking and writing will fall in line behind it. That's great. Last things, I know we got to get rocking for timing. What uh, Joe or yeah, Jack Buck? What did he give you as a gift? Uh, I think it was your graduation. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah, so <laughs> Jack Buck again. For those of you who may not know, is a Joe Buck's dad, which is a weird way to position a guy that I view as the biggest celebrity of all time. But now we got to identify him with his son. So Joe Buck has called the last nineteen World Series. He's called, I think, 11 Super Bowls. Well, his dad was Jack, big-time announcer, Hall of Fame announcer. And when he came to my graduation from college in 1999, uh, he brought a package and a note. The, the note, by the way, not only did he bring this stuff, but it's important people hear how he showed up. He showed up with Parkinson's disease, like my father suffers with today, and stage four lung cancer, Brett. Wow. So you, you think of all the reasons why we listening don't show up because my head hurts or my, my, my feet are throbbing. Uh, it's traffic yeah. outside. It might, it might rain later on today. I better stay at home. All the BS excuses we give ourselves. Jack shows up dying, but more alive than anybody I think I've ever met with a package and a note. And the note read, kid, this means a lot to me. I hope it means a lot to you too. Enjoy, it's yours. When I open up the package, it was the crystal baseball that he'd received when he went into the hall of fame, the rest of the note to me read kid. There's only one like this in the entire world. It's made of crystal. It is priceless. Do not drop this exclamation point. He, he gave this Gilland not to a speaker or a writer or a husband or a successful guy in the least. Trust me far from it. He, he gave it to a, a insecure a uh, guy who'd never dated anybody in his entire life, a guy who had no idea what he was going to do professionally, no confidence in myself at all, little college drunk kid. And yet in giving this gift away, I think it was another turning point, an inflection point in my journey that allowed me to believe. Like if he believes in me to that degree, maybe I can believe in myself. And it changed my life. It, it uh, I think it led to me being more open and uh, – <laughs> a better salesperson when it came time to ask my beautiful wife out. It led to a career. It led to, I think, you and I being together on this call. It led to me being available to saying yes as many times as I can in the community today because of the generosity I saw in uh, exemplified in Jack Buck. Oh, amazing man. He certainly was. Where can our listeners find more of John O'Leary? And when I, and I ask this, we, all of our listeners, we talk about this, and I hope you subscribe and listen to all of them. But, but John is just action-packed. You're going to get lots of stuff in your email box. It's not junk email. This is great stuff. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so the website is johnolearyinspires.com. And of course, you could Google it or search it on any of your, your platforms. And, it, you know, we're active on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and YouTube. The podcast is free and it's awesome. 
Uh, and so I, I would just encourage folks to check that out. And when they when they start following, they may enjoy it. And if they enjoy it, they may want to check out the book. And I think in checking out the book, they'll get a sense for what the story is really all about. And my hope is that they'll share it with a friend or a neighbor or someone else who might benefit from realizing that in spite of the challenges of today, the best is yet to come. Well, John O'Leary, you are an unbelievable man. You are a great friend and uh, just thankful to be able to call you a friend. So thank you for your time today. I know our listeners will get a lot out of it and uh, just really appreciate it, buddy. Well, man, that works both ways. And Brett, you and I, you and I first met when you were really just beginning your professional journey. And I I think we have both progressed in ways we could have never imagined, but uh, that's how God works. And that's what happens when you pursue success bigger than yourself. I, I know that the success you're pursuing is not about you and I know you sense that what I'm pursuing has nothing to do with me and in that and in pursuing it passionately without making excuses uh, and doing it faithfully. We can move mountains. Amen, brother. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck. Continue with the book. I guess one last question. Who's going to play you in On Fire, the movie that I think they'll make one day about John O'Leary's life? Uh, clearly, it'll have to be someone very handsome uh, and athletic, large yeah, biceps right, and triceps right. and every other app that there is out there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I my, you brought it up, so I'll, I'll speak to it. I don't know who plays me, and I don't care if I'm even an actor or a, a character in that story. But when people learn more about what happened to me as a kid or how we survived, they'll realize the story has nothing at all to do with a kid in the hospital bed and everything to do with everyone around that kid. So you you could almost ignore the kid by the cheapest B-rated actor out there. It's the story of Jack Buck and the story of how he learned and the story of what mom and dad did and my brother did and my sister did did that we didn't even talk about today. And the nurses, the doctors and the janitors and the volunteers and the Pope writing letters. I mean, geez, we were so fortunate. And so, yeah, I, I do hope there's a movie made someday because I think people will realize that it's time to stop making excuses and start making a difference. It's time to stop living accidentally and start waking up to the possibility of life. And that, that's in front of each one of us today and every day. Well, thank you, my friend, John O'Leary. Our listeners, check out the book On Fire. Follow John O'Leary and all his places to follow him. And we really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, John. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 